the the title was the narrator's voice. Uh, love heart, love heart, love heart. Uh, the British narrator's the British narrator's voice is so hot, and I'm just perplexed. Ironically, there's only one British person on this show, so it is. I want to know who's hottest. Hey, you're listening to Charge Podcast, episode number two. This is a tech podcast that each week looks at the biggest stories of the week and breaks them down to try and find out what's going on underneath. So uh, I'm Owen Williams, your host, and joining me is John Edgar, your co-host. How are you doing, John? Doing good, Owen. Thanks. Good to see you. Coming to you live from rainy East Coast this week, coming from New York. It's raining everywhere over there at the moment, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Raining in San Francisco, raining in New York, raining all over the whole US. (laughs) Probably for the best, I would say. Whereas here in the Netherlands, there's too much rain. (laughs) So this week we have a a variety of interesting topics. And uh, so let's start out with the first one, which is pretty ridiculous uh, in scale. So Google's artificial intelligence freaking beat a human three for for four uh, at Go. It's like, I don't even know much about the game, but it's infinitely more complex than chess. I think it's something like... It takes three to four hundred moves to complete, uh, and until now, it's basically the last game that computers have not mastered. Chess, uh, the was it Deep Blue? I think Deep Blue beat. Don't remember the guy's name, but in 1996 was the last time that happened. And Go, no computer's been able to beat it. It's been really interesting this week to see the kind of response that's been like split between, oh god, the AI, they finally come for us, and wow, this is really cool, or something like that. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if you've been following the story, but it's pretty intense, right? It's, I mean, it's a really difficult game. Yeah, I, I um, generally have been following, following really closely along with um, a lot of the progress that's been being made recently in um, neural networks and uh, artificial intelligence. Right. And I just think that this is another kind of piece of piece of the puzzle that shows the direction that this whole thing is going and kind of, I think, is a good indicator of where we're going to end up. I mean, like you said, Go Go is right. uh, an infinitely more complex game than chess, and I think because it requires a lot more pre-planning and strategy than than chess does, and I think it's, it's yes. interesting. I read, a, I read an article about... Um, about the AlphaGo program, and it was uh, an interview by some uh, master Go players, and they said that the interesting thing about it was that um, the moves that the uh, computer would occasionally make were incredibly disparate from moves that you would typically expect to see from a human. And so they're like, wait, yeah, why is it doing this? And they weren't necessarily wrong. They were just super different. And the kind of thesis of that whole review was that the way that the, the human mind forms all of the context that it has together to produce a picture of what things are um, in reality and then execute on those things is is just very, very um, dis- different than 
the way that a computer mind is going to be able to take all of the context that it has and form it together into a picture of what it means in reality. And so not that yeah. not that one or the other may not be better, although I presume a computer mind will eventually end up being more efficient than a human mind, but that eventually, the way yeah. that yeah, exactly, but the way that we the way that we think and the way that it thinks will just just be different ways of thinking and that's okay. That's been the really the really interesting part of this is like these grandmaster players are saying, I can't believe it did that. And then they're actually kind of taking what it, what it did and learning from it. I read the, I think it's the wired piece that you probably read as well. And it was saying these, these go players have been playing for their whole life. Uh, and they were blown away by the moves it made because not only were they, well, at, at first they thought they were mistakes, right? That's, that's the, the guy that they're playing at the moment said, I thought the computer made a mistake. It, it did a move that was so unorthodox that I, w- I thought the computer had messed up. And it, eventually that one move lent, led to the computer winning. Yeah. And that's that's really the most impressive part of this is like, I think it paints a picture of also not just AI like uh, taking over and ruining things. It's also like, this is how it could enhance uh, humans' capabilities. I somewhat wonder if it was like, you know, okay, I know that I'm playing a human. I know that a human is likely to be thrown off by this move. I know that if it's thrown off by this move, it predictably is going to do this other move. And if it does that, yeah, exactly. That's deep. Yeah. Um, I think I've been... been, So it might be self-aware by now, right? Is what you're saying. I I don't know if (laughs) self-aware per se is exactly how I would put it quite yet, but like it may be able to say at this point itself, and I don't know, I'm not... Yeah, I don't know, like it depends on how the... I don't know how the algorithms are written, but I'm just wondering if it's like... Right, right. You know, maybe it's saying, well... This will be so perplexing for the human that I presume that it is going to go in this direction if I do this, and therefore I will be able to beat it by virtue of X, Y, Z. Right, right. That makes sense. Nick Bostrom is, like, to my mind, the most interesting um, person that talks on basically super intelligence and the risks of of what it means and the consequences of of having intelligence that surpasses ours. I, I highly recommend reading his book, um, Superintelligence, right. Paths, Dangers, and Strategies for um, Superintelligence. It's interesting. Interesting. We'll put the uh, link to that in the show notes so people can check it out pretty easily. So probably not quite as exciting, but also very interesting this week. Uh, the Oprah browser that I often forget exists, but has an insane amount of users, um, added native ad block, which is pretty like kind of weird considering that, um, well... Oprah is an advertising company as well, um, and they they argue while well, the web's getting too slow, uh, publishers are abusing user trust, and I totally agree with this. As a journalist that works in the industry, I use AdBlock, I use Privacy Badger, I use these things not for blocking ads per se. I, so I use them in a weird way. I use it in a um, uh, in the reverse way that you use ad blockers. So usually it blocks everything. But I actually set to not block anything unless it's bad. And so it's really interesting to hear Oprah say, oh, no, ad blocking is fine. And it doesn't matter if it's blanket ad blocking because, well, those publishers have to find other ways of making revenue is kind of intense. Um, yeah, but I, I I don't think you would see Google doing it, right? <laughs> no, I think that, yeah, I mean, it's it's like this interesting line of like, look, at the end of the day, 
I'm willing to pay for content as long as the content is is good. And if I'm not able to assess if the content is good or if you're not able to assess whether or not I'm going to find the content good, then maybe it's okay for you to serve me an advertisement for another product on it that you can generate revenue from, but that content better be good. Yeah. You know, like if you're serving me an advert, it better be a good advert. And I think it goes back to the mass media days of television, right? right? Like you have this 30 second spot in between shows. You better make sure that your ad stands make out it count, or yeah. people are not going to pay. Yeah. It's really, it's really interesting though. Cause I think that a lot of people also don't realize how big the ad funded model is now. It's like almost every service that uh, consumers touch, they don't pay for Right. So the, the sheer majority, I mean, even if you look at, I've always been surprised by um, amongst my friends, how many people don't pay for Spotify. Like they're willing to put up with the terrible, terrible shit ads that Spotify puts on. It drives me crazy. Yeah, they're bad. Uh, yeah, because like they don't want to pay, right? And so it's just kind of surprising that um, this attitude to ad blocks so pervasive. Although I have to say, we're kind of in this like weird bubble of it as well. Like if I talk to my parents about blocking ads in a browser, they're like, what? Like what's ad block? Like, but it's still interesting to see. I mean, even like on iOS, you've got this um, built in ad blocking now. So it's kind of, it's reached a fever pitch, right? Somebody else has to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. People may there. not care because they may be naive to the fact that they should be caring. I think that one right, of the points right. that, Opera made in their blog post was that the, the speed de- difference between you know blocked ads and no blocked ads and the amount of bloat that yeah. the, the services that kind of do these real-time bidding and um, rendering of adverts based on your demographic mm. and stuff like that really do yeah. slow down the web oh man it's crazy I mean, you, if you look at, if you if you ever spend any time in the Chrome Dev Tools, you can see this for yourself. It's just insane how badly those ads delay it. Like, it's gotten better, but it's still pretty shit. Um, so, yeah. I mean, there's some interesting companies around. Um, one I'd recommend checking out at the moment is a company called Blendle that's Dutch. Uh, and they're trying to make it, like, dead easy to pay for an article. Like, you click on it. If it's if you leave it within the first minute or something like that, you pay and it's just a couple of cents. Um, if you find that the article wasn't good, you can actually get your money back. All that kind of thing, I think, really reduces the friction is what 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 we really need, right? Uh, to get people to pay more. So it'll be interesting to see if that kind of model can take off. I'll also put the link to that in the show notes. Just to yeah, I don't think we've done a good job of blending ads and content yet, and I think that and and payment models, and we have to figure that yeah. out. Oh, it's so painful to watch. It's so painful to watch. Uh, so uh, let's talk about something else that's really interesting this week. So uh, Sonos, the speaker company, that um, I, their system basically lets you put a bunch of speakers in your house and you can stream music individually to each speaker or have them kind of in sync in every room. They laid off a, a lot of employees this week. So what did you what do you think of that, John? Are you a fan? Do you hate it? What's the what's the thing? Uh, leading <laughs> questions. <laughs> well, okay, so I don't own Sonos to be clear, but but that's actually oh. by design. I went through when I was kind of thinking about what I was gonna do for um my my solution right. for streaming audio to speakers and houses. And it just seems like what a terrible <laughs> service. Like no wonder they're um, struggling. I don't. I do not fundamentally understand the idea of authenticating all of your streaming media services to a single application, and then like try like 
Oh, it's right. so annoying. You go over to someone's house and they're like, oh, you need the Sonos app to send to my speakers. Oh, you're going to have to sign. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. The whole and thing it's a shitty app. Like, I really just want like Sonos would be yeah. great if it was all of the speakers being able to speak to each other, level themselves, understand what they are, understand how you brought new ones into the Sonos speaker right. ecosystem. And then like, didn't matter what the fuck you streamed into it. Yep. Like it could just take any content that you threw at it. Yeah. Great. But what is this weird, like walled garden proprietary bullshit It's terrible. So dude, so like I'm all in on Sonos, <sighs> right? Like I have an embarrassing amount of Sonos. There's one in this room. There's one in the kitchen. There's one in the lounge. There's one in the office. It's just, I'm all in. And look, I love like, so first of all, I, I have two feelings about them. I love the hardware. It is awesome. I love the because um, they, they they put a lot of time into it. Like if you if you were to say the they're quite Apple-y in their the how they build their their hardware, their software is atrocious. The the like the onboarding is fine, the setup is fine. You get all your speakers in sync. It's super cool to be able to walk around your house and have the same track in every room. Super cool. Uh, people are always kind of like surprised by that. But like the app is so bad, and it feels like they haven't been paying any attention to really like any trends right so chromecast audio came out and sonos was like oh we won't do that uh airplay came out oh we're not going to do that and it's like you're literally restricting your users to the worst experience i want to use the spotify app the spotify app is fine it's pretty nice to use the sonos app is not nice to use it's really hard to navigate they force the like the music services into a certain path so you have to go like down eight menus deep to find whatever the fuck you were trying to listen to yeah it's insane it drives me nuts. It sucks because the rest of the system is really good. And so it's it's kind of ironic. So uh, some of the speakers have um, like a line-in kind of port. Uh, and so the way I use Sonos now is I actually, um, I, <laughs> I bought the Chromecast Audio and I have it in the back of the Sonos. And so I basically use the Sonos app to tell the music where to go. And then I just Chromecast it to the, <laughs> to the system, <laughs> which is like, that should be how it is. No. Well, it doesn't make sense. And so what you're saying is basically exactly the same thing that I'm saying. It sounds like their hardware and like internal software that they use for connecting their hardware together and making this whole like little Bluetooth speakery ecosystem is cool. Yeah. But the rest of the experience is junk. So like to my mind, I'm not surprised yeah. that they're laying off employees. Like it, uh, it didn't have... It, there was no way it could have had adoption in the way, in the way that it was set up because ultimately no. at the end of the day, if I go over to my buddy Sam's house and he's got a Sonos and I have to download that stupid shitty app and then connect my <laughs> stupid shitty, like, you know, like Spotify or, or, um, or SoundCloud to it and then stream to this stupid yeah, thing yeah. and like, it, it was, it's uh, <laughs> awful. I hate it. It's not accessible. It's like it's great if you're like at home and using it yourself, but it's so funny how it quickly falls apart and like, any sense of a multi-user environment there's no authentication there's no like oh you should lock out this user for a few hours if somebody walks into your home and knows your wi-fi password they can get into your sonos yeah and like so we have it in the office at the next web and it's just hell like 50 people on the same sonos it doesn't work Mm -hmm. there should be there's so much they can do but like they've refused to release an api so far they haven't invested in voice which is one thing that they mentioned that they want to do if they and if i have to say if they uh integrated amazon's echo service into that i would be all over that but they'd have to make some fundamental changes to how the, the actual app works right i want to be able to say 
hey Alexa, just play me some music from Taylor Swift, and it should just do it. It does, like I don't care where it's from. I mean, uh, it should I would just care work. if it was from Taylor Swift, but other- <laughs> hey, uh, hey, don't hate, man. Hate is gonna hate. No, but that—that's the point. Like, honestly, like if they had have just focused on making a really, really nice um, speaker ecosystem where all the speakers could speak to themselves, and you could get like yeah. cheap ones and expensive ones, and somewhere in the kitchen, and somewhere in the bathroom, and somewhere in the living room, yeah. and someone could literally just walk into your house, and you could be like, "Oh yeah, the Sonos code is seven five three. Stream away," and then yeah. they can just use whatever's on their phone and connect to it like you can you should just use the apps that you it's have amazing. exactly yeah Ooh, so nice. it should be just byo apps they should have a sick api uh like what what uh, like what makes sense to me is i think chromecast audio is going to kick ass in this area it's just so much easier like i walk i, I walk into the lounge and i'm like i want to listen to some music so i open the spotify app i don't have to think about what i'm doing i just play it to the thing and it just plays like it's i don't have to go through menus or any of this shit i just it just plays it's so much better. Anyway, let's not rant Can about I just that too say, much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, go, just you say, go. By the way, I really love your British accent. Oh, my British accent. Oh, that is that is a great topic, John. We we really appreciate everybody who gave us reviews this week uh, and is listening now. It's awesome. And my favorite review. I assume it's about me. Maybe it's about you, John. I don't know. But uh, we we got this one, <laughs> this we got this one review uh, on iTunes. It just makes my day. Uh, it's from Don's. And the the title is the narrator's voice. Uh, love heart, love heart, love heart. Uh, the British narrator's the British narrator's voice is so hot, and I'm just perplexed. I don't know who it's about. So if you could clear it up for myself and John, uh, who is the, who is the British person? I want to know who's hottest. Because um, actually, ironically, <laughs> there's only one British person on this show. So and it's and it's not me. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see who the British person <laughs> so is. So please. Please write us uh, on Twitter, email, whatever, uh, and let us know because we're very curious. We do appreciate everybody who's reviewed us so far. And please do review us if you like this. Maybe not if you hate it. Well, I mean, it's up to you. Thanks, everyone. Hey, did you did you hear about the Mac ransomware thing that was in Transmission App? Dude, it's so bad. (laughs) I panicked. I panicked so hard. I have Transmission I no longer have transmission. I don't know. Look, it's crazy. So, can you like what? What do you know the full story of that? Like, what actually happened? No, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go live. Look at transmission version on my on my computer right now because I haven't updated and see if I have the, the oh, bad one. Oh snap! The bad you one might while, have ransomware. While you tell us what's going on, okay. I'm gonna find out. Okay, great. So, uh, basically, I read the story, panicked, deleted it because. The gist of it is that uh, Transmission at some point had their website compromised and somebody, all they did was replace the DMG installers for the Mac version of Transmission and what it contained was like secret ransomware. So the next time you open Transmission, it started a timer and it waited three days before doing anything and then it encrypted your home directory, <laughs> which is brutal, and then demanded um, one Bitcoin, so maybe... 400 us dollars uh to get it back which is pretty pretty small on the scheme of things uh of bitcoin ransom fine but holy shit that's like the first so that there's a couple of things there that's the first mac ransomware that like seriously made it into the wild mm-hmm. um number two nobody noticed everything was compromised they had the signing keys of the transmission guys that is some serious shit and yeah that so a bunch of people got compromised i i like i deleted it but i was luckily not um one of the people affected 
I, I like if you if you use the auto updater mechanism rather than installing it from scratch, it's fine. I'm definitely running the compromised version, so that's cool. Oh crap! Quick, delete it. So yeah, it's. I mean, that's pretty scary. And we I, we've previously talked about how scary ransomware is. I mean, there's been a couple of cases where a hospital paid tens of thousands of dollars to have their files unencrypted because somebody took them hostage. Same with the police department in the US. It is becoming common and it's scary like how do you present prevent ransomware i i I don't have the answer maybe don't download shitty software i don't know yeah and i think it's interesting that we i mean it's not like anyone really thinks too much about antivirus software anymore i don't know i haven't lived in the microsoft ecosystem in a very long time but like windows 10 really pushes you away from it i have to say and the other thing is this is probably going to be a little bit controversial is antivirus software is just as shit as the viruses half the time yep it it does exactly what you'd say a virus does it slows your computer down it does unpredictable shit it acts weird I don't like antivirus. We used to have a conspiracy theory back in the day that Norton used to write viruses and release them so that we would keep oh, the man. antivirus software I'd believe up to it. date. <laughs> keep the subscriptions yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I I just I am very much so in the camp that if you're careful online, if you use software like Adblock, if you use Privacy Badger, you're very careful about checking what's going on. You don't need it. I mean, Mac uh OS ten includes um a thing called Gate Gatekeeper that checks that and Windows includes a similar piece of tech but the really interesting thing is i think more than this is this really proves the point that uh, despite all the noise walled garden app stores really play a key role here right this would not in theory have happened on the mac app store because apps are sandboxed mm. there but, but i mean transmissions are torrent apps so that like apple would never allow it it still makes the case for it right because if that happened in the in the mac app store you it wouldn't have been able to do it it's that simple so it's really interesting like at a I don't think it is anymore. No, I think I think it might have initially been, but Apple like kind of made a stand at one point for it. Yeah, I just think it comes back to the, like, like you know, uh, oh yeah, it's not in the App Store. The same thing that we said last week. People don't know, like, <laughs> we don't know necessarily what's going on anymore. Like, we have to be more cautious, right. more and more about what we install on our computers. Yeah, you and like there's all of, anyone. there's all these open source projects that are the underpinning of all of these things. I'm sure transmission at some some level uses a bunch of open source stuff yep like who who knows so keep keep your stuff up to date like keep informed as to what you're installing (laughs) and make sure that you run the default protections that are installed on your computer yeah i I think that's good advice and just don't click those kind of fake download buttons on websites oh god (laughs) the internet is the wild west yeah i guess i guess that's everything we have time for this week i just wanted to say that uh we don't have our special guest this week because of a scheduling mishap, uh, Ryan. but we yeah. should have Ryan next week, I think, uh, which is technically in a few Definitely days because we were week. we were delayed by a few things this week. But we're planning to regularly release probably on Friday or Saturdays so that you know you can expect when to get the podcast. So please stick with us. Uh, if you if you're enjoying this or you're not, please either uh, tweet us. I'm at ow. John is at Jedger on Twitter. Write us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you love it, please write a review. We would, again, love to hear from you in that regard. And we really appreciate you listening. So we'll uh, see you next week with the best shit in tech. <laughs> yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Bye.